says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You can be seated. This generation is kind of a funny word. In the secular world, you have generations that are called the the silent generation, maybe the baby boomers, uh, Generation X, Generation Y, or otherwise known as millennials, Generation Z. You look at these generations and their definitions, how they're known, and they're described by their perceived character traits and their age group. You can look back in history and you find generations like the lost generation. The lost generation is defined by uh, an unfulfilled generation coming to maturity during a period of instability. This generation was known for being a little disoriented, wandering, directionless, and those that came into adulthood during World War I. Another generation you'll see in history is called the, the Cavalier Generation. And those characteristics, some of those are, they were born between 1618 and 1647. They grew up in an era of religious upheaval and family collapse. Notoriously violent and uneducated. Many dying young. Many becoming pirates and, and, and thieves and all sorts of other things that are not so great sometimes. Yet when we walk with God, he doesn't use those type of terms to describe us. He doesn't use character traits of a fallen flesh to describe you and describe I. When we walk with God, he gets to define you and I as a part of a chosen generation. God decides to use terms like anointed, overcomer, conqueror, forgiven, and loved. To describe those who walk with him, these are the terms that he chooses to use. This generation, we have the privilege of being defined by the Almighty God rather than the fallen flesh in our nature and our sins of our past. This generation, it may have started, I may have started as a wretch. And this generation may have started full of sin and full of wickedness and full of brokenness, but it has an opportunity to walk out clean, forgiven, and set apart from this world of sin. And I can look back, and you can look back at generations that we're from, churches that we grew up in, and we can tell you exactly what happened there. We can point to this generation and say, you know what, that group of people, that age group, they, they, they backslid. We can look back at the generations before us. We can look at, that's the generation that had destructive homes. That's the generation that have abusive parents. That's the generation where their parents were absent from their families. And we can tell you what generation serve the Lord faithfully. We can tell you how easy it is to slide from normal or expected of the generation's expectations of cycles we see around us every single day. Yet I refuse to be counted among the generations that are dysfunctional from this world. God showed me a new way. I refuse to be counted among the generation that is emotionally deficient and because God gave me a new heart. I refuse to be counted among the generation that does not follow God because my God has shown me goodness. My God has shown me faithfulness. My God has shown me his love. And we get to decide what generation we get to be a part of. 
I refuse to be counted among the generation that does not have a man leading his family in the ways of God. Because God tells me that I can be a man of God. I can be an overcomer. And I can lead my family and home in the way of the Lord. We get to choose to be a part of a generation that is greater. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while. I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations and desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver, it is mine. The gold, it is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of its former, saith the Lord of hosts. In this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. See, that is God speaking. That means it will come to pass. In John 14, 12 through 14, we see, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also. The greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We don't have to be a part of a generation that is a slave to addiction. And we don't have to be a part of a generation that's filled with abusive and destructive homes and and minds and hearts and relationships. You can't try and tell me that a five-year-old child cannot help someone pray through someone to the Holy Ghost. You cannot try and tell me that an eight-year-old cannot preach a message that is convicting to a lost generation. You can't try and tell me that a broken limb, a cancer-filled body that is broken cannot be fully restored, fully healed by a person that chooses to be a part of a greater generation. See, what does it take to be a part of a greater generation? We got to pray for things that don't make sense. We have to pray for things that we cannot manage on our own. We have to pray for influence in places that we have no access. We have to pray for miracles to happen in places that they have no business happening. We have to start praying that our workplaces become a Holy Ghost-filled place of worship. Start praying that God uses your hands to begin performing miracles throughout your neighborhood, with your neighbors, with people next to you in workplaces. We have to start praying that God fills dozens of people through your hands with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That your hands begin to baptize people around you. That you start doing the miracles that God is working through you in greater ways. See, these things are greater things. These things are part of a greater generation. These things are greater. We have to pray for things that terrify our flesh. We have to pray for things that we don't want to do in the flesh. But we know that it is something that God desires no matter how terrified our flesh is. We have to pray for those crazy thoughts that pop into your head. And you talk yourself out of because it just doesn't make sense. We've all done it. We've all been there. We've all done, we've all done that. We've got to pray those crazy faith dreams that you have. For you are called to be a greater generation. How can it be greater if it stays the way it is now? How can it be greater if one doesn't pray for things that they never thought were possible and they never thought they could see? How can it be greater if we don't pursue greater things than we see now? How can it be greater if we don't pray for things that we don't see now, but we expect to see in the future? 
We live in this, this world that's full of great hate and, and great problems, great pain, great trauma, great addictions, great corruption. We live in a world that's full of great perversion and great needs. Yet the Lord says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you that is in the world. Each and every day, if we listen, if we pay attention, if we, if we watch and we hear around us, we're going to hear things and see things like, my sin is great. My addiction, that's great. My pain, that's great. My trauma is great. My anger is great. My hate is great. This world is full of great trials, great problems, great sin, great issues. And it's all true. But yet he is greater and we get to be a part of that. So how are we going to reach 22,000 souls in this city? It's going to be because we choose to be a part of a generation that is called greater. It's not just the sense of that's the name of the generation that we will be part of because that is what will define the generation. We are called for greater things. We are called to see greater things. How are we going to see these things happen that should not happen? The lame man in Acts 3 should not have walked. Lazarus, a dead man, he should not have been alive. Mary Magdalene should not have been following Jesus after being filled with seven spirits. This state full of over 850,000 souls. You know, it was once known as a place that ministers go to die. It was once known as a place that if you were following God, don't go there. Otherwise, it won't work out. The people who might have been in South Dakota in this district for a long time, they could tell you stories of how miserable things could have been years and years ago. The faith was low. The expectation was low. The miracles was low. The the fruit was low. The efforts were great. The, The faith and the faithfulness was great. But South Dakota was a hard land to win. The state that was full of over 850,000 souls, it used to be the place where the ground was unbreakable. It used to be a place where the mental wars were impossible to win. And every single mental state would throw you into a state of depression. It would throw you into a state of suicidal thinking, isolation, worry, fear, brokenness. But there came a people that believed in a greater story and a greater generation that would come for South Dakota. See, this land has become a land of healing. This land has become a a place, a land of victory. This land has become a place to be revived. This land has become a place full of revival, full of harvest, full of miracles. This land has become a place where the impossible has become the normal. It has become a place that is greater. Joel chapter 2 and 21, it says clearly, Fear not, O land. Be glad. Rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. We are called greater. Where you are at now is good and, and great and wonderful, but you are called for greater. You are called to move forward greater. You are called for greater prayers, greater exploits, greater things done through God than where we are at now. Though great things are happening in this state, great things are happening in this city, in this church, in Millbank, in Webster, in Brookings, in Aberdeen, in Rapid City, in Sioux Falls. These things are happening and they are great, but yet we are called to greater. Isaiah 43, 19, it says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness. I will make a way in the rivers in the desert, I'll make rivers in the desert. 
when new things occur in our lives, old things disappear. Old natures, they disappear. Old corrupt flesh, they disappear. Old bondage, it disappears. Old brokenness, it disappears. Old weak, timid faith, it disappears. Because they have lived out their time once it has become new. The miracles that are sprouting forward through God's people, they must be great. Because great is the need. The time that we are casual, the time that we are wondering where we're going, that that time is over. The goal and the thing that we do now is we move. We don't always have to know all the details. We don't always have to know exactly where we're going to end up. We just have to know there's greater things to be done. And there are needs here. There are needs here. There are people that have needs here. And if we move towards greater, if, he, if we will move towards the place that God is desiring us to go, he's going to move in us. He's going to move through us. The dirty places, they'll become clean. The wicked, they'll turn and they'll find a holy God that redeems them. The broken, they will be made whole. The vengeful, they will find mercy. The hateful will find love. The lost souls, they will be found. See, that is what a greater generation is called to do. It is called to be greater than the sin of the world. It's called to be greater than the brokenness and the pain and the destruction of the world. Because it's a greater generation. And that is how we will be defined as long as we push towards greater things. God is doing so many greater things, so many mighty things. But yet we are called for more things. And you might ask, what do I do? Where do I go? But Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Whatever you do, God will be with you. Wherever you go, whoever you minister to, whoever you speak to, God will be with you. If you go into a place full of destruction, full of disease, full of problems, God will be with you. If you go to a place where people are afraid and they are doing things that are not right, God will be with you. If you go to a place where they hate you, God will be with you. If you go to a place that hates God, God will be with you. If you go to a place where they have no faith, God is with you. Isaiah 41 says, so do not fear for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, when you go over to your neighbor's house, you start knocking on that door, wanting to talk to them about this Jesus that saved you, and you don't know if they want it or not, you can be rest assured, God is with you in those moments. God is with you when you're afraid to talk to that person. God is with you when you're timid and you don't want to really pray for someone in public for a need. But God is with you. God is with you when that person is broken and needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost at your workplace. God is with you. When these kids go into these P7 clubs, into this school full of mess and muck and dirt and filth, God is with them. God is with them. They have the anointing. They have the power. They have the Holy Ghost. What more do they need? They have everything they need, and they can be strong. They can be courageous. They don't have to fear because the Lord is going with them. So they can believe for greater things. They can believe that their school will be completely taken over by the Spirit of God. They can believe that their whole classroom can be saved, baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with anointing, and called to work for Him. Because that is the greater place. We can expect that our workplaces would be filled with anointing. 
Where our workplaces and our, our coworkers, they will come to us and they would recognize something different in us. And they would know, I, I know that person has faith to pray for me. I know that person has faith to pray for my need and my situation. See, that is the greater place. The greater place. We are meant to be a greater generation. Everywhere we go and everything we do, we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry because he is with us. He is with us. I, I want to be in a greater place. I, I want to go to a greater dimension. I, I want to have greater things that I can see with my eyes being done. I want greater miracles to be done in my family. I want greater miracles to be, come, to be done around the people that I know. How many times have we seen needs and we just, we just wish and pray, God, do something with that need? So that is what we're called to do, to meet the great need of this time. How many people are filled with cancer? How many people are filled with hopelessness, with fear, with worry? How many people are filled with hate and bitterness? Greater. We are greater with God. And we, if we walk towards that and we pray, God can meet that need. God can meet that time, that need every single time. Our expectation has to be greater. So you can think back into your mind. You can think back into all the, all the faith dreams, all the faith hopes that you have in your life. We all have them. We all have, have, have had or do have those, those dreams and hopes that we have in our mind. Oh, God, I, I wish one day that my whole family can be walking and living for God. One day, I, I hope and pray that my best friend, they'll come back to God. One day, I just hope and pray that my family member doesn't struggle with that addiction any longer. I just hope and pray one day my, my child can go to a place, uh, can go to a place of a, a school and not have to be picked on or bullied or attacked. One day, I, I want to see this whole city filled with the Holy Ghost. One day, I want to see my whole neighborhood filled with the Holy Ghost. One day, I want to see churches in every single city across South Dakota. One day, I want to see every reservation filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. One day, I want to see miracles being publicly shown to the world so that they can know who God is. One day, I want to see every person know who Jesus is and call out to God and repent and, and, and see the tears roll down their eyes and, and see the joy that fills them once Jesus fills them with the power of God. One day I want to see every tumor fall off. I want to see every disease be completely overtaken by the power of God. See, these are some of the things that we just have to speak sometimes. These are the things that we have to declare sometimes and, and not just hope and think in our mind. I, I hope one day that can happen. Because God's design is for it to happen. God's design and purpose for his people, for the body of Christ, is for those things to happen. It's for those things to happen. So what is that thing that periodically and subtly just pops into your head that you desire so greatly, but it's difficult to pray? That thing that you desire so much, but it's difficult to pray because it just doesn't make a lot of sense. How could we go from point A to point Z in one prayer? That's because God can't. God can bring someone from completely lost to someone who is mighty and used of God because he's God. He can do that. 
So I, I encourage us all today, I encourage myself today, I encourage us all to pray things that don't make sense. Pray things that you don't think are actually going to happen, but as you pray them, you're going to believe they're going to happen because God's going to do it. Pray things that don't make sense. Isn't it kind of a horrible thing when you, when you go to a workplace, when you go to a school, knowing that you're the only Christian there? Knowing that you're the only person filled with the Holy Ghost? The only person that, that knows Jesus. And as you look across the room, as you look across the, the different people and their situations, and you t- they talk about their broken marriage, they talk about their kid and having, how many problems they're having. And in your mind, you're like, Jesus could fix that. In your mind, you're thinking, oh, I don't have to worry about that. Thank God I don't have to worry about that. But in your mind, you're thinking, if they could only just know God, if they could only just know the word of God, if they could only just come to a service, if they could only feel the touch of the Holy Ghost upon their life, everything would change for them. These thoughts creep up in our minds and we can so easily push them down. We can so easily just disregard them and use a justification or reason. Life's busy, I gotta go. We got other tasks to do. We got, we got to move on because we don't have time to, to cover that. They won't listen to that, that word about God. They won't, they won't hear me when I speak about Jesus. But yet we are called for greater. Yet we are called for greater. And, and Jesus said in his word, anything that you shall ask, I will do. Anything that you ask that is his will, that's according to his purposes, he is going to fulfill. He's going to complete. He's going to do. So I I dare you this week, pray a prayer that doesn't make sense. Pray a prayer that you desire to happen, and you don't think that can happen. Pray a prayer that you might, God just might open a door for you to reach into a place that you didn't think you had any influence whatsoever. That person that is way out there with their beliefs, way out there with perspectives politically or religiously, I bet you they want God too. And they're just waiting for someone to pray a prayer that opens a door to their heart. That they can hear the name of Jesus spoken to them. They are waiting for that door to be open. They are waiting for someone to pray for their need and their situation. See, we can't make the discretion or the determination who wants God. Who can have God. Who might hear God. That's not our call to make. And we do that thing. We think of people on our list. Oh, this person might want God. Let me reach out to them. Eh, I won't worry about that person because they're not really interested in God. Pray those prayers. When you think those thoughts, oh, they don't want God, why don't you pray, right? Why don't you pray for that person? Pray that God opens that door, that you don't think that thought, that you have faith to believe that that person will want God too. Pray thoughts that don't make sense. Those dreams that you've had over your lifetime of of great revival and great harvest and great exploits. And you don't pray it. Pray those thoughts. Pray those dreams. Because God answers those crazy things. God answers those things that is hard to believe and and hard to expect and, and hard to see and hard to live out. God answers those prayers. How nuts is it that an Elijah, that a prophet prayed something, that fire would come down and burn an altar? How crazy is that? Of all things that would convince somebody that God is God, why would it be that? God uses weird things all the time to reach people. God uses methods all the time to reach people. And we get in God's way sometimes by trying to find a method that works when he already has a method in his heart. That he's just waiting for a prayer. 
so that God would be released to do it. So often. I, I, I'm, I'm closing here, but I wonder if we could stand to just, just to pray. And this, this is meant to be encouraging. This is meant to be uh, provoking, because we all need provoking. We all need reminders. We all need encouragement. We all need uh, just reminders from God about who He is. So the way God reaches people is far greater than, than our thoughts about how we would reach people. How we would, how we would do things for Him. His, his, his ways are so much greater. They're so much higher than our ways. And we think, well, that won't work, and that won't work, and that won't work. But maybe God didn't even intend those methods anyway. Maybe He intended there to be a different method that He had planned out that will be better than any method that we could think of. That is how God functions. That's how God works. The prayers that we pray, they have to be, God, have your way. Let your will be done and not my own. God, do whatever you desire to do in whatever way that you desire to do it. Use me in whatever way you desire to use me, no matter what I feel, want, desire, think. God, you do it. You do it. So those, those prayers, I remind you, what prayers do you not want to pray? What prayers are you afraid to pray? What prayers do you really desire to see? But it's difficult to think about those prayers because they may not happen and maybe you'll be discouraged. So what? Pray it again. That, that's part of the process of the relationship with God. We, we go to him again and again and again and again. If we don't get our miracle then, we do it again. We pray for it again. There's so many stories of people that have prayed for years and years and years for, for their spouses, for their lost loved ones, for their family members. And it took 10 years. It took 20 years. It took 50 years. But the question is, is the time worth the soul? Is the effort worth the soul? Is the fruit worth my time, worth my sacrifice and obedience to God? And if the answer is yes, which it is always yes, then we got to continue. we got to continue to push forward. Why don't, why don't we pray?